Awesome. Because uh, we know it's 2021 and we are open, open, hallelujah, open hearts, open hands, open homes. We are open for kingdom business this year. That's the real word for the house. It's 2021. <laughs> actually, it's, uh, um, actually, I just remembered, excuse me, well, if I drink it, in, it's March 2021 and it struck me about 10 days ago. It's exactly 30 years since, I, since God opened my heart to receive him as saviour. Hallelujah. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> Being here tonight just makes me remember how much I used to drink when I smoked with that uh, smoke machine. Mm. But uh, excuse me if I just uh, keep that coming, bartender. That Steps I Hope stuff is good gear. We'll get through that. Bring the six-pack out. But... Uh, but God opened my heart 30 years ago, and that's probably the clearest and truest way I can explain what happened to me. It was not about me figuring it all out. Oh, I've got this. I've been, you know, it, um, no, it was more, he got me, <laughs> to be honest. We didn't just find Jesus one day. We were the ones who were lost. He found us. He literally started, it's the only way I can describe this, and many of us know that what we say, he started opening our eyes to see and understand things that I didn't see before or saw them differently. Open my mind and my heart. 30 years ago, three decades later, he is still opening things in us as we walk in his will. And we're still getting to know Jesus. We are finding freedom in him, living in that freedom. We're discovering purpose. By God's grace, we're helping to make some kind of difference in this world. And that's what we do when we know him. He opens his kingdom all around us. That's just what he does. I started looking through the Bible, looking at the word open um, and seeing how it's used, you know, looking up trying to be a bit tricky, looking up the original Hebrew, Greek, you know, Patar. It's a nice name, Patar. Might come back to that other Hebrew name in the Greek. And I go, you know what I notice? God does a lot of opening in the Bible. He opens up the, <laughs> the floodgates of heaven. Amen. And uh, he opens up the waters of the deep. He opens up springs and streams in the desert. A lot of water stuff going on, I notice. Yeah, here. But he opens all kinds of doors. He opens graves and tombs and minds and hearts, mouths, ears and eyes. He opens the scripture. He opens his word and many other things. So much so that tonight... I'm proposing a new name for God. Whoa. I've Googled it and I cannot see any trace of this anywhere. I mentioned this to Pastor Carol. He said, hmm, I won't be there. I'll, I'll be listening to that, she said. But, and I know I should have run it past someone clever like Jackie Gray, Dr. Jackie Gray, who attends his church um, from Alpha Crucius. Actually, many of you don't know, Jackie and I were in the same class. At, uh, in the class of 99. Jackie immediately went on to be an international superstar of biblical theology. <laughs> I, well, I just went to work for Coca-Cola. <laughs> but, uh, but God has... Oh, if, actually, if, if she was here, I think she'd be looking down a lot as I'm talking. But anyway, but God has names. 
many names, and a lot of them ascribe his one as Elohim, Yahweh, El Shaddai, there's the Jehovah names, you know, Jehovah Jireh, the, the God who provides, the Jehovah Rapha, the, one, the God who heals, Jehovah, Jehovah Sidkino, the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Nissi, our banner, Jehovah Shalom, our peace, all these, you can study all those names. Well, I've got one here tonight, and I think you heard it here first, it's Jehovah Patah. The God who opens. Hallelujah. That's the title of this message, The God Who Opens. And if we are truly going to be open and see others open, like 1,000 people in 1,000 days, then we need to know the God who opens. Tell you that. So I'm not joking when I say there's at least three messages in this message, but we're moving fast and just just cherry-picking points here. Let me tell you, first of all, he opens himself. God opens himself. There are many aspects to this, and I'm just going to focus on one right here. Look, I find there is often a major disconnect between the gospel, the message of the cross, the gospel, God's grace, and the average person in the street that I know. And a lot of, a lot of church people too, if we're honest, they just do not know how open God is to them. Now, many of us here know the gospel to be the most mind-blowing development in the history of the world. It really is. It's that big. It's the master stroke of the God who opens. Through the cross, he opened a way back to himself. Um, A way back to, he made a way where there was no way. To um, eternal life restored through the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. It is the best news, the gospel, the power of God under salvation. It's awesome. But let me tell you, to a lot of people that I know in this town, the default assumption is, if there is a God, he would be very much against them. He would be a closed shop. Now, I don't know if it's because of a lot of nominal Catholicism in Penrith and unsure. I just don't know what it is. But it's, you know, the, oh, if I worked into your church, the roof would cave in. <clears throat> Probably 20 people have told me that, you know. And uh, it's like they really get the bit about God judging sin. They get that bit, but they don't get the rest. Probably like a lot of Jewish people when Jesus turned up and started telling them about his father. They knew God as creator. He was judge. He was awesome. He was holy. All of that is truer than we know. It's awesome. But across all of that, Jesus revealed an open, loving, gracious father in very clear. Like the parable of the lost son. I mean, this guy was bad. He did some bad things. He took his family inheritance and spent it all partying internationally. He totally blew it all. And then he ends up um, fighting pigs for their food. (laughs) Absolutely shameful behavior to the Jewish culture of that day. And that crowd who Jesus is telling this parable, a parable is a story to illustrate spiritual truth, they would have, oh, you know, they would have think, boy, he's got it coming for him. And yet in the bottom of the pig pen in the mud, the guy says, look, if, if, I, if I go home and be a servant in my father's house, at least I'll live, I'll live. So he gets up and goes home. Who knows what's going to be awaiting him then. Luke 15, verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father. 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. I'm telling you, that is the last thing that the crowd Jesus was talking to would expect. This is just, just crazy. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Let me tell you, that's a noble response. That's actually a repentant response there. Kudos to him for that. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they begin to celebrate. See, the father's got a very different view here. <clears throat> My son, And then, of course, there's another son. And he's like got the, the more um, expectant attitude. He goes... He comes in and he's angry. He doesn't even want to go in and join the party. He's saying, ah, this blue, he took our money, his money and blew it all on prostitution, never do anything for me. So that's a pretty, you know, car human. Again, the father says, my son, my son, you're always with me and everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and now is alive. He was lost and he's found. When we talk about God opening himself, People in this city need to know this father. The God who opens himself, who is looking for them and meets them at the end of the driveway with open arms. It is not what the the men of this town that I discern have in mind. They don't know this God who opens himself. Not just a judge's gavel. And they need to know his son, his eternal son, who opened his arms to be crucified on a cross. They need to know. And this, this, a friend of mine, I met a friend for coffee down the street one day, I saw him driving the street, you know, whatever, the next day we had coffee, and he, look, he's, got, he's going through a lot of stuff, you know, his, his son, one son got shot in gang wars, the other son's house got shot up, and we're talking, and he says, look, you, you know me, old mate. Oh, really? And anyway, he told me that, and he said, say good day to him. So two days later, I see my mate, and I said, hey, I was talking to this, you know, you go, oh, yeah, we're talking. He goes, how do you know him? And I said, oh, well, I first met him at church, Legionations. And he goes, God, and this is the immediate, this guy's on a journey, this friend of mine. He goes, God, he said, geez, I, I love it how you, you use, don't, just don't judge everyone. That's a statement and a half on this guy's journey. My consuming desire is that this city out there would capture that, but they need to see that and hear that in and through us who are out there. So, yes, we can explain your sin, you'll be judged. All the gospel has its place in in their thing. But the big thing that they need to know is that God has opened himself to them and in a very different way. It's a core thing for this city in this season. I just strongly believe that. So he opens himself. We'll just highlight that point. Next thing God does, he's the God who opens, Jehovah Patah. He opens us. In many, many ways does he open us. At every stage of our faith journey, from pre-birth to absolute maturity in Christ, whatever that looks like. looks like Jesus, that's what it looks like. The more we get this, the more effectual his working becomes in us and through us. Because we know, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. His agenda, he's the God who opens. He is opening us up. And one big thing he opens is people's 
eyes to see. He opens. It's just like the length throughout our journey, um, physical and spiritual. What's interesting is opening eyes is one of Jesus' many specialties in the Gospels. It's interesting. I mean, even in the Old Testament, it's not a lot recorded about healing blindness. Jesus turns up and there's a number of, not just him healing, but they're key moments in his ministry, you know, at Jericho and Siloam and, um, and the other place. And the, the Gospels build on this. This is big in his ministry and it's a big thing that he does. The physical act of healing blind eyes is wonderful. But it's the opening of the spiritual eyes that brings next level life wherever we're at on our journey. And it's often accentuated in, in the physical, uh, in the ministry. Mark 10, then they come to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? He asked him. Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. In this story, his eyes are already opened at the start of the story. Because he recognises who Jesus is. Bang, that's the first thing. But he doesn't just leave it there. Oh, Jesus. He calls upon the name of the Lord in faith. His eyes are then fully opened and then he follows Jesus. This is classic Jehovah, Patah, the God who opens at work. He takes us on this journey of opening our perception and we follow Jesus more and more. There'll be people here tonight, I suspect, believe, trust, whatever, on your journey that you, you could be somewhere in the midst of You're seeing something in Jesus and your time is coming to just call upon him and you'll know that and then you'll see more. And so that's our journey. So again and again. Of course, the most common way he opens all of our eyes is through his word, the Bible. There's nothing new about that. You know, like Psalm 119, um, 18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. God has always opened up his word, <clears throat> but Jesus takes it to another level. The day that he rose from the dead, the very day, he's walking along the road to Emmaus and there's some disciples there who don't recognize him. And they're all down and depressed, they're negative, they're, they're just very depressed. They have no idea what the Lord has just opened up for humanity. They have no idea. Anyway, Jesus bears with them and then he can't help himself. Luke 24, 25, he says to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. It's almost like they should have known this. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further, but they urged him, stay with us, it's nearly evening, the day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. While he was at the table, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts 
burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. This is what he does. And those disciples on their journey, on their path, would never be the same again. Do you know what it's like to have your heart burning within you as he opens his word to you? Do you know what it's, have you, this is the year of open, when God is open, like we're, we're just walking in that open. Have you had that sense this year on your journey? Do you remember what it's like to have <clears throat> your hearts burning as he opened the scripture to you and spoke to you? These are days when he, you seek him, he will be found. And then later, in the same chapter, <clears throat> he shows up to his great champions, his frontline apostolic disciples. And they see him, they all start freaking out. They really should have known better. And what does he do? Same thing. Verse 45, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. This is what he does. Now, I'm even sharing some things in this message that I haven't even known or learned or heard of before. So even on our journey, we're looking that the rhema word of God is here in before us on our path this year. I'm telling you, it's, it's fresh and it's one. He wants to open up his word for the most mature or the ones who aren't even learned to know or walk in him yet. He wants us to understand. Now, don't worry if we don't get it all in one hit or your loved one. It's, even Jesus had to have a crack. That time is not us. I've got no idea where we're up to, so that's all right. Um, we, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, he asked, Do you see anything? Do you see anything? You could be in here tonight. Do you see anything? This guy says, oh, I see people. They, they look like trees walking around. So he's starting to see, but he can't see it. Then Jesus put his hands on again. On, and then <clears throat> his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. When we start seeing things more clearly, things change. I pick it up in the way people talk. I certainly pick it up in the way people pray. That's one thing we know <clears throat> that God showed the Apostle Paul some amazing things from what he said and from what he prayed. You can tell it. So in Ephesians 1, he says, oh, he's praying for the, for the people, the church. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, opened, in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. <clears throat> and he goes on to say that's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and, you know, all the ages to come. Do you think Paul knows the God who opens? Maybe his whole life was a journey of that. He's calling us to walk that journey. It's not like, okay, I've been redeemed. There's re they call, talk about the re redemption and lift. Okay, my life, okay, I've come up a level. I don't do the stuff I used to do. We, that's what we are now. No, the God who opens will never leave you at that place. He's got another level in it, a, a journey for you to open up your revelation and change your world, but beyond you, many, many people's worlds. <clears throat> 
many people's worlds. And if we're going to be used by God to open up a thousand lives in the next thousand days, I, I suggest that's the kind of prayer we want to be praying. I want to pray that for myself. I want to pray that for the people in my, my connect group, in my, those who I'm working and reaching out to. <laughs> he is the God who opens our eyes. Okay, so he's, <clears throat> he opens himself. He opens us. Let me tell you, he opens his kingdom. The cry of our heart is, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. And that includes right here in Penrith or where we live, <clears throat> as it is done in heaven. This is a big one for me. This keeps me up at night sometimes. Now, that, prayer, that cry could be a great an end time prayer, you know, for your second coming, your kingdom come. Yes. And there's another context. But let me tell you, it's also for right now. We want an open heaven over our city to begin with. We want another 1,000 names in 1,000 days and go from there. We want to see a city saved for God. We serve a God who opens, and he opens kingdom doors. This, he's in, this is big on, not, <clears throat> often not on our mind, it's big on his agenda. In Revelation 3, he says it to a church. He says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, could be Penrith, Philadelphia, Penrith, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no man can shut. This is the God who opens, friends. We want some of that. And it, it definitely involves us in that process. We've got to walk through the door. If he opens a door, walk through the door. There's another door. In uh, verse 20, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. So that's a different door, different things going on there, but it that all involves a partnership with the God who opens <clears throat> and his people to walk through the door, to listen to his voice and open the door. Or to just keep on knocking until the door opens. In Luke 11, he says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and that door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, that door will be open. Now that statement come in response to a question from his disciples in Luke's gospel. Luke's very interesting what he records. And he records eight or nine distinct times when Jesus is praying. Interesting. Way more than the others put together. So Jesus prays and then he just goes out and does all this amazing stuff. I heard someone say once, the gospel of Luke is what Jesus did between prayer meetings. Interesting thought. <laughs> but, uh, but no, so no wonder this gets his disciples' attention. So at the start of that chapter... Um, uh, Luke 11 says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. I wonder what the disciples are thinking. Oh, Jesus is praying. Here we go. Well, you know. Anyway, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, can you teach us to pray? Just like John used to teach his disciples. And he said to them, okay, when you pray, you say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us on into temptation. Now, I suggest to you, if this is based on what Jesus had been praying, some of those points received more focus than others in his life of ministry. 
So yes, Father, hallowed be your name. He would be praising his Father a lot. Give us each day our daily bread. Yeah, I think he just, I don't think it'd be a big one for him. Forgive us our sins. Yeah, don't think it'd be too much asking his Father for forgiveness. Lead us not into temptation. He's certainly relying. Your kingdom come. This is the big one. I think that uh, somehow, you know, that last day's end time, let your kingdom come, may not have been the most pressing thing on Jesus' mind as he was praying that in his three years of ministry. He was praying your kingdom come today, through my life, where you send me. Open your kingdom through me. Now, we see a heap of stuff praying in Luke, like Jesus is praying after his baptism when the heavens opened. He spends all night praying before he chose the 12 disciples. Wow. He was praying when people asked, who do people say, when he asked, who do people say that I am? Come from prayer. And he was praying when he was transfigured on the mountain. All key kingdom things. Praying to his father, the God who opens. Your kingdom come. And Matthew records that in more detail in a different setting. He says, your will be done. Jesus actually said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. Interesting. What are you doing, Father? What are you up to? What do you want me to do to open your kingdom door? What are you up to? My prayer stuff has changed a lot in recent years. I used to have lists and this, that and the other. It's great. I find it's better to have friends who are intercessors and pray through all my big lists. That's good. But, Lord, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? That's a core prayer. That's a kingdom come type of prayer. And I believe the God who opens wants us to have this kind of mindset. Because for some years now, I have asked, Lord, if you lived in Penrith, what would you be doing? Or more so, you know, because it says Jesus, uh, what would Jesus do on the bracelet? Um, It's the number one stolen thing from Kurong Bookstore is what would Jesus do bracelet? So think about that. But anyway, so it's not just what would you, but I'm more so, Lord, where would you be? Where would you be? Now, I regularly attend a wide variety of gatherings. I thought, you know, someone like Mark and Tanya Davies, he laughed when I told him that. They, he said, you do more stuff than us, he said, as in different groups. And, um, and I see very little known Christian presence in our city, across business and all kinds of sectors. We're all over everything. But it's changing now. Not just me. But it's changing now. It's leading to all kinds of doors being opened and connections being made. So what we... uh, Connections being made. So, Lord, where would you be if you were me today? As we start thinking and planning. And the God who opens kingdom doors, let me tell you, he picks up on that. Someone might be praying through all the good lists and we need that and praying all these other things. Lord, your kingdom come. Let your will be done. What are you up to? I want to do your will. These kinds of things, I think it's a terrible way to say it. A lot of bad theology here tonight, I must say. But it raises it to the top of the list, as it were, where he actually, because that's the kind of stuff he's looking for and listening to, because he is the God who opens doors. I just call the team up. I'm just going to, look, we're bouncing all, we've bounced through a few different things here right now. And uh, again, when you start looking at the God who opens, you start to see he's doing a lot of things. And uh, 
he's very keen to know that he is open towards those who are, are lost or in need of him, or even ourselves. He's very keen to continually open us up through his word, through his spirit, through his process, the agenda he's put before us. Let's not get distracted by all kinds of things. Lord, what have you got before me? And big on the heart of the God who opens is bringing his kingdom, opening that door. And I think tonight, Lord, as you look down even on this place, you see a lot of precious hearts who are gathered here tonight. And I just believe, Lord, you're speaking, you're touching. It's no coincidence that this year is the, a year we're focusing on open because we are open to you. And we say, Lord, you come into our own very hearts, minds, our life and let your will be done in and through us as it is in heaven at your throne. In Jesus' name, amen.